Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Life with your host, Tessa Lloyd. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wadarong people of the Wadarong Aboriginal Corporation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Hello everyone, welcome to season two, episode three of Create Your Life with Tessa Lloyd. Um, Today I'm here with Ryan from The Cashflow Co. So we're going to be talking about money and everything that money can do for us and moving through a lot of um, stories and limiting beliefs around why money is the pits and why money is the root of all evil and really just coming to a place of looking at how having a healthy mindset with money can really serve you in life and really start to change your life and help you create your life. Love how I linked that in there. Um, (laughs) So yeah, welcome Ryan and thank you for being here. Great to be here, mate. And well done on getting to season two. I know that uh, a podcast is a, is a big job. It's a, a lot of work and yeah. uh, well done. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to like, it starts to feel like the bigger, um, the older sibling or something, as opposed to your like baby podcast that you're sort of <laughs> putting out in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, it's such an incredible platform. Um, you know, obviously you've had some great guests on over the last season. And, um, you know, we've seen from our ends with our podcast, just how it can, you know, get in the ears of people, you know, it's such an easy platform for people to dial in and, um, hear stories and, and learn. And, uh, yeah, I know for myself, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts over the years and, you know, it's a lot of the stories that I keep coming back to that, you know, keep some of that drive going. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And to be able to recommend, um, an audio that you know someone needs to hear in the moment and to know that it's only going to take up an hour of their precious time is pretty cool as well. Yeah, we have a whole bank of content <laughs> that we just come back to and refer to because yeah. you're having conversations with people and you know that there's this one idea that's embedded in a single podcast somewhere that absolutely nails it for that person right there and then. Yeah. And it's so valuable to come back to and say, hey, listen to this. This is the right time. Um, you know, being connected with the right ideas at the right time is uh, is so valuable and uh, yeah. podcasts do such a good job of that. Yeah, completely agree. All right, so we're going to dive into talking about money. Um, and so I've done your program, right? Like I've done the um, money mapping method with you guys and just learned so much about my approach to money and how it helps me show up in the world. But before I started this I don't think I was necessarily aware of um not that I never felt like I had some really intense money stories like other people have had and a money story for me is where we have this narrative around money or or something like relationships or friendships where we have this ongoing story that dictates how we show up um I don't really feel like I had a lot of intense stuff going on there but they're were small things that I realized with time 
um, were holding me back from, you know, how well money could be showing up in my life or how it could contribute to my happiness as opposed to causing me stress. Um, and I think our listeners will resonate with this, that money in the past has been something that we don't necessarily talk about or get educated about or um, feel comfortable sharing about. So what you guys are doing is pretty revolutionary, right? Being able to come together and talk about this stuff and have people feeling comfortable about talking about wealth and how it contributes to mental health and prosperity and all of those wonderful things. Um, can you tell us why it's important that we start talking about money and how it can support us to live a lovely life? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's been such a taboo, a taboo, a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, something that's just always been so confronting for a lot of people. And because culturally, you know, even in the home growing up, it's not always spoken about. It's kind of just something that's sensed. Mm-hmm. You know, as a child, you see conversations around money between mum and dad. And usually when you do see them, they're the heated ones. And so we do develop these ideas around what money is, uh, what it means, what it can do to people as well, and how that impacts, you know, the connection with family and all those things. And as you become an adult, you know, you start to see the type of people that work around money. And unfortunately, it can be, you know, it can be quite a, a uh, kind of a stiff atmosphere. <laughs> if you're like. my community. <laughs> What's that? A bit of a dry community. A bit of a dry community. I remember being in a workshop at one point and somebody that was kind of breaking the lines. This was when I I was working in financial advice. He was breaking the lines a little bit and he said, you know, you look at most people in financial services and they're wearing a suit and they look like your creepy old uncle. Mm -hmm. I was like, shit. (laughs) That's so true. I hope I never become that person. I don't think I've worn a suit since, um, but, you know, that kind of experience of, you know, seeing that young become an adult, you know, seeing that, um, I guess, experiencing money in that way. And most people, um, you know, coming into interactions because they need to more so than because they want to, um, you know, it's not a very healthy way to build a good relationship. Um, because our ideas uh, or, or the way that we perceive money is is quite tainted early on. Um, mm-hmm. So it does get in the way of us being able to think really clearly about money as well mm-hmm. um, because those stories that we develop growing up, the way we, um, you know, the way we perceive money, um, that has such a big impact on how well we can think clearly with it mm-hmm. and make good decisions with it. Yeah. Um, so that's such an important point that you've just made. I was having a conversation with a friend last night about this, actually, that a lot of systems and a lot of things in society set us up to make fear-based decisions. And that really contributes to a certain certain few who benefit from us feeling pressured and fearful about making these decisions rather than coming from a grounded place. So I love that you mentioned when people are having to make these decisions as opposed to wanting to and being motivated and feeling great about it, uh, they're completely different decisions, right? To what we could be making if we're feeling confident and grounded in our um, in our plan. Yeah, absolutely, and couldn't be more true in the you know in the financial space. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to money, 
you know, a lot of people that have made a lot of money in that space have been, you know, they've been shrouding everything in mystery and they've kind of benefited by confusing people. Um, yeah, they can charge exuberant fees because it, it becomes this confusing sort of, um, <clears throat> I guess, just this big bundle of um, uncertainty <laughs> and people can benefit from that. They can profit from it. Mm. Uh, so it's a bit of a shame that, you know, you know, it's knowing spending a lot of time in that, in that space um, that it has that reputation. Um, mm. I love that there's now so many different avenues for people to do something that's a little bit out of, you know, the, the old sort of norm. Mm. Um, you know, we kind of broke out because we saw what Barefoot Investor was doing and, you know, he sold more copies than any other book in any other genre in Australia. So we know that there was a, a really big need for people to want to know more and want to do more in this, in this area of their life. Um, but there's not a lot of, there wasn't a lot of pathways. Um, and now they're starting to pop up more where, you know, coaching businesses are becoming more popular too, which is great. Mm, it is great. And a big part of it is mindset as well, right? Like we want to be upskilled, which is really important and educated, but actually having the mindset to, and I think that was really important when I did your course was that um, connecting the human side to why we spend money and how we spend it is really important as opposed to maybe learning the facts but still not feeling confident in how you're going to do these things and sort of shitting the bed anyway, <laughs> no matter how well you're educated because sometimes we know things but if we haven't embodied it and integrated it into our life, it's really hard to implement. So, yeah, I think that's a really beautiful part of how you run this program that it's not just it's not just about the numbers. It is, um, I mean, I, the word holistic kills me, but it is coming to mind that it is holistic and involving the person in the decisions as well. Yeah. Well, money is not just number and spreadsheets. It's, yeah. uh, you know, money be, usually is a reflection of how you're living your life. And, you know, we always start with, as you remember, the life by design session where we really go deep into you know, articulating what we want that future state to look like and creating that dialogue between ourselves and our future self, um, because that informs the way that we're going to use our money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we need to know the life that we're building um, and we need to know what role money needs to play in that. And I think if you separate life and money, uh, you know, you're only looking at one side of the coin and um, it kind of is a little bit pointless. Like you need to have a compelling future that you're working towards for the money thing uh, to be worthwhile to be even be considering right now. So when it comes to like, we've sort of uh, gone straight into your approach to um, money within Cashflow Co, but can you have a bit more of a chat about what Cashflow Co actually is and how it started and what's your role within? Cause I mean, you're really building a community, right? We're based in Geelong um, and the Surf Coast and there's a real community building there, but also online. Can you have a chat to us about what this um, movement is? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the, the technical term, if you like, is it's a community of practice. So it's mm -hmm. we're focused on teaching a method, like teaching principles in the way that you, you manage your money and the way that you interact with it. But we also recognize that the easiest way to stay on that path towards your own success is to walk that path with others. Yeah. And there is a collective wisdom within the group. Um, so we love that, 
you know, we're always testing and refining and, and uh, experimenting with new things. I feel like every single meeting I'm saying to someone, <laughs> you're a bit of a guinea pig here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so bear with me because we're always testing something new. Yeah. And it's the feedback loop that we get from the people that we're working with that everybody else benefits from. Mm. Um, so, you know, we love that sense of community that, you know, one person can have a really great question and that can lead to an insight for everybody else. And we yeah. can really bring that together. And, and then, you know, for us to be able to absorb that into the way we coach and the way we, we teach as well. Um, so, you know, the community is, is such an integral part for just refining things, getting better at it over time. But also for people to see that other people are, you know, following the same method, following the same principles and they're, they're making progress and, you know, they get inspired by each other's stories as well. And, you know, sometimes we just need that little bit of a pep up, you know, we need to hear that encouragement or um, see that, you know, this is working for someone else. I just need to stay through the, um, you know, the hard times and grit with it. Um, so yeah, it is a, it's a community of practice and, um, you know, probably being quite lucky that, uh, our podcast has attracted, you know, people with quite a similar worldview as well. So, you know, they see the world very, very much the same and, um, it makes it quite easy for them to interact, which is good. Mm. And it can't be underestimated, right? Having people who are willing to talk about the same things with you and who want to, because yeah. I think that, um, you know, our, our squad, so to speak, has just started discussing money a lot more. And I know that two of my best mates, Katie and Jules, have done your program. And to just be able to talk about it openly is really cool. And to not have that, I think, is pretty a pretty normal thing. I've got other friends who we never discuss um, money or even the the sort of social aspects of money or emotional aspects, it just doesn't get discussed because it's still considered taboo. So to have the community where you can talk about that in a really safe space is really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think there's two different games that people are playing mm -hmm. and what we try to do is take people out of playing this status game. You know, money is quite often this thing that's built up around, you know, look at what I have and what I can show for it. And yeah what we try to do is kind of strip that back and help people play a wealth game. So it's not about a, you know, a social hierarchy. It's more about, you know, um, creating, you know, the freedom for yourself, the choice in how you spend your time, you know, the experiences you can have with, you know, your friends, your family, and, um, and also, you know, how you can master your craft over time. Like we really want to strip back. It's not saying, um, you know, we're not making more money or keeping more money or investing to show it off. It's more about, this intrinsic um, betterment of ourselves, our own sort of evolution. And, you know, I think we're able to sort of strip that back and help people within that community, like you guys have talked about, see that it's not about, you know, look what I've done or anything like that. It's like, we can actually have this conversation together as we're, you know, we're creating more of these freedoms for ourselves and which actually means you get to spend more time with the, with those friends too. Um, so yeah, when we can shift across to that more of that wealth game, um, it makes those conversations so much easier because we're not competing. No, and I think that you and I have had that conversation before that um, it's ch changing it from competing to working alongside each other and how can you have a more, I mean, I say soulful. I know you wouldn't say, <laughs> you might say so, soulful, but I would definitely put words in your mouth, especially with naming this podcast, F. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a way that 
actually contributes to something better rather than being a number that we compete for, which doesn't lead to our happiness anyway. I mean, it can lead to, I think sometimes it can lead to a false sense of happiness, competition, and it's like quick validation and a quick fix. But in terms of, um, you know, do we actually get to spend time? I mean, mine, like we work on this together, right? Like mine is um, being able to use it to funnel, to spend with my people. And yep. that might be completely different for someone else. But say I am earning all this money and not having the time to see people, then I'm feeling like shit and I don't want to continue working and I don't want to continue earning money or, you know, I mean, there's lots of other results of that. But I think that that is such an important part of why um, it's great to just have these conversations about this because, I mean, isn't the meaning of all of this just to actually feel some sense of joy and pleasure anyway? Like, yeah. I mean, all of this personal development, making money, acquiring objects, all of that, like, stuff that comes with, you know, growing and adulting. Like, if we're completely missing the point and not ever experiencing, like, belly laughs or true pleasure around our people, like, for me, I'm like, well, what's the point? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, you know, we always view these kind of two sides of happiness and we tend to use money in these, in these different ways. Um, the first one is experienced happiness, which is like the day-to-day feeling of, um, you know, getting those quick hits and, um, you know, things like, you know, making a little bit more money gives us that experience happiness. You know, we get this, this, um, that dopamine spike that you feel really good about, or when you buy something new, there's a thing that comes into your life. Um, or, you know, just the, just getting things done and, and not really doing things really well, but getting things off your plate. It's kind of like these experience happiness um, things that happen. And then we've also got these, uh, this reflective happiness, which is the things where you do them. And I think this is more about how you control your time, how you spend your time. And, and like I mentioned before, you know, with your people, your connections, um, in mastering a craft, getting really good at something um, and, and that sense of community. Like these are the things where you're looking back on your life um, where you get that deeper sense of joy. Um, yes. And that's why you know, we always preach to guys, um, you know, use money to, to use money in a way that helps you gain that reflective happiness, not that, that day-to-day experienced happiness um, because it does fall away. Yeah, exactly. Which I think has been really to do this alongside I mean, a lot of the people who that who you work with are doing lots of personal development as well. So to do this alongside um, personal development in other areas has been really important because it is all reinforcing and boiling down to what brings you joy and peace and um, excitement as opposed to the small things, which I didn't learn growing up in school. It was about like those achievements that you make and moving on to the next goal as opposed to what brings you true happiness so yeah it's been really cool to add into it um okay so this is I'm actually excited to know this because I haven't asked you this (laughs) okay (laughs) so for baby Ryan or like childhood or adolescent Ryan um growing up what would you go back and tell him about money what do you wish you knew about money growing up yeah Hard question. Um, I think I was quite fortunate that 
like my parents were really good at including me in conversations, even though I thought at the time my input was valued. I'm sure it wasn't at the time, <laughs> but I had that sense. So I was always kind of keen and interested around money. Um, but, you know, I think there's some, some things that I wish I understood sooner that would definitely help. I think, you know, the first one is, um, you know, wealth isn't found in the, in the technical analysis. You know, I spent a lot of time going deep into, you know, how do you, um, how do you price a share or a stock, you know, ahead of time? So a lot of that deep technical analysis. And um, the truth is it's a lot more about, you know, understanding principles and being able to apply them over time. Mm. And, you know, I think you can waste a lot of time in that, in that first area, trying to go deep into the technical side of things. Um, but as, as long as you have a really strong set of uh, mental models, then you're going to do well. Yeah. It just takes time. Um, and I think also just knowing that time is an investor's best friend, you know, we always wish that we started sooner with investing because, you know, it's compounding that builds wealth over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd always wish I'd started a few years sooner, but that's probably just being a little bit picky. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sort of making the finance, um, expert scrape the barrel for what he didn't know about money when I imagine that, you know, knew a lot more than we did but thank you for scraping the barrel <laughs> it's also kind of like you you forget what you didn't know as well like yes. you, yeah. you don't know when you pick things up um but like i think another really important one is also you know to build wealth over time you want to be a net producer we talk about this sometimes in that you know i think in your earlier years definitely from 18 to 23, when you're really spending more time learning, which is still great. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, um, but you want to be a net producer in terms of you want to be having more output than what you're consuming. And so, um, you know, no doubt I've played a lot of video games and, <laughs> and did a, um, you know, done a lot of things where it was more about consumption and yeah. um, I wasn't really creating, I wasn't writing, you know, I wasn't putting work out into it. I wasn't making a big contribution. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I probably still learned it young, young enough. You know, I'm only um, 27, turning 28 in a few weeks. Oh, uh, cool. I didn't know that. Happy <laughs> yeah. birthday <for> then. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but like, you know, still figuring these out, things out. And, um, you know, it's still good to know that, you know, I've learned some of those still in my twenties and no doubt in five years time, I'll look back to now and think, shit. Um, I wish I knew all these other, other things as well. Mm, definitely. And I think, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you just said is more focused on, you know, that whole picture side that we were talking about before, as opposed to the nitty gritties. And I think that would be really empowering for some people to hear that, um, it's not necessarily how much you were taught in school or how educated you are in finances. It's how you can learn to approach it and we can all learn to approach it differently, right? Like we can rewire our approach to things. And I know that I have. Um, and yeah, I think that's just a really empowering thing on the other side of feeling so disempowered because you haven't got the time to research the share market ins and outs or you don't have a family member in finance or you don't have um, someone who works in finance like within your immediate friendship group who can give you those um, 
I guess, you know, those sneaky tips that you sort of just wish you knew. It's really cool to know that you can come in from the outside still, even when you haven't been raised as a finance expert and get good with money. Yeah. And it doesn't take long. <laughs> it does not take long at all. Um, like you just have to have a, an open mind, like an, a willingness to learn basically mm-hmm. like, you know, with our mentorship, as you know, it's only 12 weeks, but you know, we've found that you can get people right up to speed within that time frame. Um, you know, it yeah, just I takes agree. that. Sorry. What's that? I agree that um, those 12 weeks are enough to really get into like um, all of the beliefs that you thought were true and aren't true and then reprocessing them. Yeah. Cause a lot of it just comes from gathering evidence for yourself to prove to yourself that you're the type of person that can figure it out. Mm. Yeah, like it's just you take one step and you you realize something that, you know, it wasn't that hard. I can take another step and then you do something else. And then eventually you look back and think, well, I've actually done all of this. I've got all this stuff organized and I now have this sense of direction. And so you start to question yourself. You start to go, okay, I didn't think that was possible. Now I'm starting to look at other areas of my life and go, okay, what else can I do? What else can I figure out? Um, so it's not a bad question yourself. It's more that you question your own beliefs or your own limitations that you set upon yourself. Um, mm. I think it can be such a good, I think springboard to a lot of other personal development because yeah, it is a place where we tend to feel a little bit hamstrung. We've got the handbrake on and um, you know, you start to destable some of those ideas that you have about yourself, particularly around money, but also um in other areas for sure and I mean a lot of this we learn as children right we do it like I do a lot of inner child work with clients and some clients who listen to this potty and when it comes to what we learn as children like our brains are so malleable and we're so vulnerable to um, messaging and you know our ego is developed at this time and I think that's really important when it comes to looking at how deep your money stories go, like not just money stories, relationship stories, marriage stories, everything. Um, When it comes to this work, it goes really deep. So it's not something to judge yourself for. It's something that you as an impressionable child took on as gospel because we didn't know any better. And especially when it comes to money and safety like money is so intertwined with safety and we can't sugarcoat this right like we for us to I think you talk about this when we feel poor our it's not our quality of do we make different decisions or something like that I remember reading this that if you're not feeling like you're thriving and that you don't have your foundations covered and your basic needs met how are we meant to do this thing that we all talk about, which is, you know, thriving and making decisions for our higher self. Um, So we've not only internalized these messages as, you know, vulnerable young children, no matter how great our childhood was, we were still just like thinking our parents were the shit and that everything they said was gospel or everything older adults said was gospel, gospel, but not only that, but alongside that is safety and what do we need to do to be safe? And, you know, our ego and fears are developed around what do we need to do to show up in this world and be considered safe, like as a core, um, you know, primal state of safety. 
So when we're internalizing these messages and it's attached to something like safety, it's so, it's so big and it's not like I'm trying to convey, it's not something to judge because we did legitimately um, believe all along that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer or um, money causes divorces or money causes um, friendship breakdowns, all of those sort of things, because they're so intrinsically linked to our sense of safety and belonging and connection and love that no wonder they're such intense ingrained ways of being. So doing this work is literally rewiring stuff, right? Like, oh, actually it doesn't always have to be, um, I don't always have to feel sick checking my bank account or I don't always have to, um, I don't know, get so blind drunk that I completely forget what I spend all night and then the next day check out what I spent and feel like shit. Like relearning those ways of um, feeling safe is so important. That was a huge rant. <laughs> that was a huge <laughs> rant, but I'm really just trying to, um, I guess, like knowing the people who may not have like the healthiest or most comforting approach to money at the moment and feeling really unsafe there it just makes sense that you feel unsafe because it's what's been reinforced all along. And that's yeah. why this work is really important. Yeah. And it can be difficult to work through at times too, because those ideas and those stories that we develop over time, they give us a, a, a sense of identity, which is sort of baked into our self image. And so it's how we see ourselves. So, you know, it can be quite a confronting thing to jump in and question who we are um, because yeah, the brain seeks out familiarity. That's where it feels most safe when things aren't new. Yeah. Um, so it can be a, a little bit of a, a um, confronting thing or, you know, a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a challenge on the brain to dive into it, but you know, what's on the other side, which is a version of yourself that uh, can, you know, take on challenges like this and overcome them. And, you know, you become a, just a better version of yourself in terms of what you're able to achieve as well. Um, like I know for myself, you know, I've got a lot of ambitions, um, like I'm sure you're doing and a lot of your listeners as well. Mm -hmm. And you have to see yourself as a working project when you've got that, because the version of yourself that's got you to where you are right now won't get you to that next spot. Like you need to break through another ceiling and a lot of that comes down to, you know, delving into your own shit as well. Um, you know, if it's therapy or it's, um, you know, interrogating your own ideas personally or whatever it might be, uh, you need to be able to go into, you know, the dark cave at times to find that gold nugget so that you can come out the other side richer for it. Um, so, yeah, the way I think about it is see yourself as a working project, like be willing to question everything and go through some of that, um, I guess, uh, not feeling as safe and, and breaking away from that familiar path of that un unconscious brain um, because what's on the other side is well and truly worth it. When you see clients, Ryan, can you see their values and personality impacting the way that they spend money? Because a lot of your work, right, is on how you actually spend money as opposed to saving it. And then, and then it's linked because then we begin to save money where we want to and spend it on what we want to. So yes. when you, I mean, say when I popped on and was, remember when you gave me the pricing for the thing and I was like, I don't care. And you were like, well, 
we're going to have to look at that because <laughs> it's important to care where your money goes. Um, and I think that was a big story that I worked through that I don't care about money and I'm just sort of neither here nor there with money. I'm just here to have a good time and make people feel better and myself feel better. Um, yep. and money isn't necessarily linked to that. Um, and I, yeah, do you... I did what I normally do, which is where I get like too excited about the next topic. What was my original question? <laughs> Asking around values for spending. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you see where your clients start with you, like myself, so my value was not caring about money. Can you see where a client's personality and values affects how they um, operate with money? Yeah, massively. Um, so I think the first part of that is you want to be paying attention to how you're spending more so than what you're saving because one's a lead metric. Like it's the, the thing you do is spend and how you spend dictates how much you keep. Um, so if you kind of focus your attention on the saving, it's, it's a little bit backwards. Um, I think m most people do that. They're like, oh, I'm just going to carve away this, you know, $500 here and there. Um, but it, it kind of, yeah, um, you know, it falls down after a while because it's not the thing that you can actually control. Um, but you know, our values have such a massive impact on, you know, how we spend. So it's something where, you know, you want to become quite aware of what those values are and be quite intentional with how you're using your money and spending in line with that and then doing that without the waste. Yeah. If you can spend as intentionally as you possibly can on the things you care about, but not everything, like not anything else, then you will keep more. And, um, you know, that's the kind of balancing act that we're always in between, you know, having our money, using it for serving our current self, but also setting ourselves up so that life gets better and easier over time. And that's a really hard sweet spot to find. Yeah. And if you don't understand your own values, then it's very hard to find that, that balancing point of, you know, serving that current self, but also being able to set up that future self. Okay. Like I think, you know, values is, is kind of an interesting topic in that, you know, we think it's something that we've inherited over time. It's the sum of our experiences up until now, but it's also largely shaped by how we see ourselves in the future as well. Um, so like, I know that you just did your vision board session with a, with a group of ladies mm -hmm. and, you know, it's so important because, you know, how we see ourselves in the future and, and that, I guess that, that idea or that imagined future state or imagined future self has just as much, if not more of an impact on who we are now and the personality that we're shaping and, and our values as much as what we've done in the past. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I think that is a really important point you make that values isn't necessarily what's been handed down to us. And I remember um, values made a lot more sense to me when it was not, it was where does... Um, where do your actions line up with where your shadow side doesn't overrule your actions? So, and what I mean by that is if we want to be a kind, compassionate person, but for example, if it came to the scenario of being compassionate in um, a situation, but our shadow side is to um, belong and we let that side overtake us being compassionate, then compassion actually isn't our true value because it's something that we're um, 
it's something that we're intellectually wanting to be and strive for. But when it comes to it, what do your actions actually line up with? And where will your, um, I guess, where will your ego and fears and everything else on that side not overrule what your value is and what you want to call your value? And I think that's a really important part to know. Um, and I say connection because connection is such a big one for me, but it also has a shadowy side of me learning um, where connection feels good versus where connection feels bad and where I'm doing that to serve my ego. And I think that's a really important part of um, our money stories as well is if we are making these superficial value lists and then trying to spend money on those values, but then we continue to be tripped up, like are those values your values or do you just know they look really like glossy and like you're a big dog on your Instagram feed when you say that, that's what they are as opposed to who you truly are. And it's not about having shame around what your true values are, but just getting clear on who you truly are, not what you've been told to be or what you think will look really good. Yeah. I think who you truly are changes over time as well. So it's kind of like this evolving thing that you kind of, you might try and label it and then you realize that, yeah, that makes sense right now, but six months later, it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, so it is hard to to label it and then try and live by it Mm -hmm. and it's it is more so just a yeah sense of understanding yourself your own self-awareness and you know having the even the the thought processes to be able to you know things like meditation is so valuable just to know that um you know you can question your own thinking and and um pose questions to yourself to to try and understand yourself better Mm -hmm. um and it's more of a I don't think it's something where you can just say here, I'm actually just going to find out who I am and what my values are and then just stick to that. Um, I think it's more just this inner sense of knowing who you are and, and, um, and how that changes over time. Totally. And knowing that like we evolve most days, which can yeah. be really intense because you feel like you've nailed who you are and then you go through such big growth period. And it's like, fuck, I have to do all this self-assessment. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Not have to, but I mean, it's it's really great to know some of your ins and outs. I know that my approach to things has completely changed since I started the program. Like what I want from life has completely changed. So, yeah, I think that that's, um, yeah, a cool thing to know that we do evolve every day and nothing's set in stone. When it comes to um, these limiting beliefs or fears around money that we talk about, do you have sessions with clients where you can see some of the things that they're doing in their everyday life are sort of reflective of those beliefs. And yeah, can you sort of see why they're a little bit unhappy with how they're approaching money? Yeah, I can. Um, and I think more so, you know, people start to observe that within themselves when they start paying attention. You know, I know that with the work that we do, uh, like we preach to people, what gets measured gets managed. And so we want people to really pay attention to how money is moving through their lives. And so they start to observe that because they start to surface things, um, you know, see patterns or, um, you know, just take notice of spending that, you know, they know that's not within their, within what they're trying to achieve, you know, in in line with their values. And so people definitely recognize that within themselves. Um, You know, in our, in our program, Terry goes quite deep into, you know, really kind of interrogating those ideas around money that we hold on to. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we know that 
when you can surface those ideas, see them, but then also be gathering that evidence, like seeing how money is moving, and and it's kind of like holding up a mirror. Um, you can you can see whether or not um, that's having an impact on you or not. Um, and so you start to observe that within yourself. And um, you know what we tend to find is taking action, you know, action steps in some way is such a critical key to moving past those ideas. Uh, we tend to say it's it's easier to uh, act your way into a new way of thinking than it is to think your way into a new way of acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just this mental exercise of, um, you know, these are these terrible ideas that I've got uh, or these money stories. It's actually about surfacing them and then, you know, taking these steps and, and as I mentioned before, proving to yourself that you can actually get beyond those. Do you know what? It, like what you just said made me think um, something so... Um, a lot of you guys will have listened to my episode with Catch On in the first season, which is all around um, limiting beliefs and how our fears make us show up in a certain way because it's told our ego has um, sort of reaffirmed that that's the safe way to do things. And so some of the, the ways of showing up in the world is, say, like being very aloof with people or being very blasé with um, your actions being controlling, uh, craving power, craving connection where it's not necessarily available. And so if you were to link that to money moves and actions, I can imagine it would be buying the expensive car that you don't actually like because you think it's going to promote your power, even though your power is coming from within, but you're seeking it externally. Um, If you're an extra aloof personality because you've sort of been told that that's how it's safe to show up, then you might be really um, casual and flippant about how you spend your money, but end up screwing yourself over. If you feel like um, money gets you connections, maybe like always shouting everyone and never getting anything back um, because you think it serves your connections well there. So I don't know if anyone um, connect, resonates with any of them, but they can be some of the like trickier ones, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they are common and, uh, like, I think we've all experienced them at different times yeah. and, you know, usually there's just a few that are quite overpowering and, yeah. you know, it's not always easy just to sit down and think about what they are. You kind of need to, you know, go through some, some exercise in time in terms of like trying to surface them. Um, but like when I really, when you really kind of, um, put it all into perspective when it comes to money money just helps you become more of who you are. Like it, it doesn't change you. It helps you become more of who you are because it means that you can express yourself more. You can do more of the things you want um, and you can, you know, underwrite more of the, uh, the life that you want to live. Mm. And so um, we kind of build up this idea, you know, we see storylines like, you know, most movies, you know, the way that the money person is portrayed, yeah, the investment banker or whoever it might be. Um, they kind of, it's quite often that, you know, that's shrouded in evil in some way. And we do make as a culture, as a, as a whole culture, we tend to make some of those connections between money and who the type of person is that loves money. Um, but the reality is, you know, money is just a a tool that we use to create what we want. Mm -hmm. Um, and without money, you know, we'd be, we'd be cave men and women just beating each other's with sticks. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't be working together. We wouldn't be collaborating. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd just still be competing. 
And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, a lot of it is about, you know, just questioning some of those ideas of what is a money person as well. Because sometimes it is that outward perception of, of somebody else um, and not wanting to resemble that person. Totally. And I mean, you're doing everyone a disservice. This is just like some hardcore truth. You're doing everyone a disservice, not earning the money that you should be earning or not striving for more money because how much better could you make the world with more money? I mean, money can be circulated in such a soulful way within the community or like globally. And I mean, this comes alongside what I think a lot of us are learning now. Like when it comes to earning more money, are you going to be more generous? And are you going to circulate more money and help other people up into this higher vibration, so to speak? Or are you going to use it in the way that is going to make you confirm all of your old beliefs about money, that those who earn money are selfish and greedy and um, have a one-track mind as opposed to where it can be used in a way that can make you feel so happy and also invite everyone else up and support everyone else up to our sort of new collective way of being and not being the them and us group, but more about raising each other up and supporting each other as well. So if you're staying in that low vibration of money is for greedy people only, and I don't give a fuck about money, you will stay at that level and those around you will stay at that level and you won't support anyone else up as well. So if you want to think of money as the least selfish thing ever, think about what you could do with money and how it can support those around you and yourself as opposed to, um, you know, the selfish act of staying in your own fear-based stories. I mean, I'm not trying to pass judgment here. Like you can do what you want to do, but if you want to look at what is selfish and not selfish, um, one of the most selfless things you can do is do your inner work, show up for your next level and support everyone and uh, invite everyone else up as opposed to staying in your low vibe which feels safe but feels like shit <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and i think um what i realized is your perception is reality on this one and one of the most important books that i read when we first started our business actually was a a book written by a jewish rabbi um his name's daniel lappin and I'm trying to think of the name but it's called thou shall prosper is the name of it and the way he frames earning money and and this is where you know, it's so important to think about how you do perceive things. He says, um, earning income, so earning money is you receiving certificates of appreciation from other people. Yeah. When you think about um, earning lots of certificates of appreciation, it means you're making a greater contribution to other people. Mm-hmm. So the actual earning of income is you being generous. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't even have to earn it to give it away. You just earning it is you making a greater contribution and receiving appreciation from others. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So can money make us happy? <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> um, absolutely it can. Yeah. Like we always joke, people say money can't buy happiness. Um, but as we've talked about, like money can underwrite a meaningful life. It's the thing that gives us this quality of life that we can live now. Like I mentioned before, we'd be we'd be beating each other with sticks as cavemen and women if uh, money didn't exist. So it allows us to live this this standard of life where um, we can work together and and um, and you know not have as many problems. Basically, you know, if you can have enough money, um, it might not solve all your problems, but it'll solve all your money problems. 
Mm. And so a lot of it's about kind of just removing the obstacles to being happy. Um, but also, you know, I, I look at life and think, you know, it's, it's a, a life well lived is just a, a massive series of, or an accumulation of experiences um, with people that you care about and the more money you have usually means the more experiences you can have with those people as well. Yeah. 100%. Oh, you did a good job answering that huge question. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, it's, it takes a bit of thought that one. It's something yeah. that, yeah, like we definitely ponder and we talk about quite often mm. um, because you do want to get it right. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, like our ideas about this will, will definitely evolve and uh, it'll be interesting to listen back to this podcast in five years time or 10 years time and think about how my perception of things have changed. Totally. Yeah. Learning every day. Yeah. If um, people want to learn from you, because there's quite a different ways to learn from you and Terry, right? Um, how can we find your Instagram? So this is cash flows, Instagram podcast and website. Yeah, cool. So the first place I'd recommend you start is probably the podcast. Um, The first season in particular, uh, episode one to 10, is really a a learning sequence. We wanted to look at um, designing a series of podcasts that help people just develop the language, develop the confidence to at least take some of those first steps and actually getting in touch. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely start with the podcast. It's called The Passive Income Project. Um, I'm sure you'll throw something in show notes or something like that. Will you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then on Instagram at the cash flow co. Um, and then on the website, it's www.cashflowco.com.au. Awesome. Thank you so much for this chat. I know that um, it might be something that a lot of the listeners haven't talked about before or heard about before. So thank you for imparting your wisdom and what's really exciting is we get to dive in deeper um in the honey program and go that next level for the women in there who most of them um are doing business things or really wanting to upgrade their money story so yeah thank you for jumping on today awesome thank you mate great to be on here yeah you too all right i'll have a um i'll chat to you soon anyway because i'm still doing the program (laughs) see you soon see you right (laughs) Thank you.